Uh, it's good to be with you. <clears throat> it's always uh, good to be at Hillside. And it's always an incredible privilege when a pastor turns over his pulpit to you and then leaves. Uh, uh, you know, that says he doesn't feel like, Man, I better be there, see what's going to happen. And so uh, we count it a privilege to, uh, to be with you. And, uh, but, but it's not only a privilege, it's a responsibility because uh, I'm not just here to spew out some Bible lesson that I learned in Bible study, although that's part of it and that's important. But the goal when someone gets up in front of a group of people to speak is to determine what does God want for this group at this time. And uh, Carrie and I and Kingdom Quest Ministries, our, our goal is to... Uh, come alongside of pastors and churches and believers and help them to fulfill the purpose God has for them. So basically we see ourselves as servants uh, of people who are serving and, and uh, taking care of those things. And uh, okay, I'm seeing my, do I need to move this forward to get the next slide? Pardon? Oh, well, that's the one that slid up the most, so I figured that was the right one. All right, hey. Well, uh, yeah, that didn't quite come out the way it was on my slide. I got an extra K in there that probably was hidden uh, when I did it. So this is the Kingdom Quest Ministries. Uh, that's... Uh, who we are. I have our webpage on there. If anybody's interested in getting our newsletter, uh, you can go on there and you can sign up for it. And, uh, and we have some books and some manuals back there if anybody's interested in purchasing them. And uh, okay, the announcements are out of the way. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about today, you know, how, how do we do what God wants us to do? Uh, I remember, and most of you probably aren't old enough to remember this. Wayne might remember this. Uh, there was a North, Northwest Airline commercial a number of years ago, and most of you don't know what Northwest Airlines is. Uh, they're part of Delta now. And there was a guy on the phone and his boss would call and say, can you do this? And then they'd call and say, can you do this? And can you do this? And it was always to a different city. And after he said, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, he got off the phone and said, how am I gonna do that? And of course, Northwest Airlines had the answer for him. They could go anywhere to do that. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is this, how can we do what God has called us to do? And, uh, uh, I trust that each of us is hungry to know the fullness of what God is calling us to do. That, that we want to know the whole thing. We, we could become satisfied with where we are. God's perhaps done some wonderful things. Do we want to catch the fullness of what God has? And as I mentioned earlier, uh, as I began to pray about what to share here. Uh, sometimes when I'm asked to share someplace, I just kind of know immediately what I'm supposed to develop and share that day. It happened a few weeks ago. Uh, I was speaking with a friend of ours, uh, for, for a friend of ours, Suresh Tamang, who is the pastor of uh, the uh, Harrisburg Nepali First Church. And um, God's blessed them with a building 
which is full already. They just moved into it three weeks ago, and they're, they're packed. And, uh, but God's given them their own building, and I knew right away, as I began to pray about uh, what I'm to share today, I really struggled. Uh, not because you're people that I would struggle with, but it's not a matter of just sharing something, but it's sharing what does God want? And uh, I got up to Tuesday or Wednesday of this week and I just felt like where I was heading, I, was, I, I was, had some angst that I was trying to force something and then finally on Wednesday or Thursday, God began to speak. And so we're gonna take a moment for prayer here because I want us to pray that God accomplishes everything he wants to for Hillside today, but that he also accomplishes everything that he wants to do in your life. That, because that's the key, the key thing. What God has for us is awesome. So let's just take a few moments and on your own just pray and then I'll come back uh, and, and begin. Father, we need to hear from you today. We don't just want our minds touched with words. Uh, in fact, Lord, the words that I'm going to share are probably words that have been heard before. They're not hard to grasp intellectually, but we want you to go deeper than that. We desire you to, uh, to come and speak to us about what it is that you want to accomplish. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Carrie, could you bring me the water? I forgot to bring my water. God has an incredible plan for us. It's really, an, well, why would God have an incredible plan for us? I mean, why? In his great love. And uh, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, interesting portion of scripture. Paul is speaking and he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not because of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is really a, a 10 verse description of the salvation history of every one of us. Now, there are different details that are in there that we would have to put in, but we started out as children of wrath. In other words, we were like a condemned building that had no right to have anybody living there. We were ready for judgment. We deserved a judgment. We were living under the spell of the enemy. 
And Jesus came, gave us forgiveness of sins, gave us a relationship with himself, made us alive in Christ, truly alive because we came alive spiritually, seated us with him in the heavenly realms. I mean, that's quite a transition, isn't it? All by grace, nothing we deserved, none of us were good enough. And then he said this in verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Sometimes with the salvation thing, we, we stop with the fact that we're forgiven, we're gonna go to heaven someday. In fact, we've, uh, especially back when I was younger, kind of the gospel was, pray this prayer and someday you'll go to heaven. You know, it's like an insurance policy, but you don't pay monthly premiums. And God wants to do that. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to be with him now. But he did all of that so that we could accomplish the purpose that we were created for. Before we were ever born, God had a plan for our life. Before we were ever born, he looked down and he said, this is what I want you to accomplish. Some of you were perhaps shocked when James and Abby gave their news. God wasn't surprised. He saw that beforehand. By the way, I want you to know that in God's economy, when you give something away, he gives back more. Now, nothing's gonna be better than them, right? But he will, he will meet the needs, he will supply. When we give, I remember a friend of mine in Lancaster when his church would plant churches, he said, I believe in sending the best away to the new place. And so God's, God's gonna somehow meet that need, he's gonna take care of it. But I wanna get back to the, the, the scripture He's got a plan for every one of us. Some people are gonna to get to be upfront and some people are not gonna be upfront people. But I want us to know that when we do what God wants us to do, it's when we will have the greatest impact. Sometimes we can strive and we can think, I wanna be those upfront people, I wanna, I wanna be known like so and so is known and, and, and all of those things. What we need to be doing is saying, God, what do you have for me in doing that? For instance, how many of you know who Pearl Good is? We got somebody back there who knows who Pearl Good is. I thought there would be maybe somebody, and there is, maybe nobody. Pearl Good was a lady that when Billy Graham began to do his crusades, unbeknownst to anybody, she began to fervently pray for those crusades. Finally, the Billy Graham Association became aware of the fact that there was this Pearl Good lady and so they made arrangements for her to actually come and be at the Crusades and pray. Who had the greater impact there? Charles Finney, before there were text messages, before there were phones, there were newspapers. It is estimated that in the eastern part of the US, through his ministry, 500,000 people came to know Christ. That's a lot of people. There was this guy, all we know is his name was Father Nash. He would go to where Finney was going to go, book a hotel room, and he would pray. 
Finney's ministry was so powerful that in one city he was in, they wanted to take him to the, where they were doing some manufacturing of something. I don't remember what it was. Finney walked into the building. The manufacturing stopped. People fell on their faces before God begging for mercy. Finney hadn't said a word. Was it the upfront person or the person, all we know is Father Nash. And I don't know if that means Father Nash was a pastor or he just was an old guy that liked to pray. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was. There are people who've been giving to Kingdom Quest since the beginning, and I'm not comparing Kingdom Quest to Billy Graham, and uh, you, you get that, I'm not doing that. And some have been giving, Many, most people don't know who most of them are, and uh, if they do know them, they don't know that they've been partnering with Kingdom Quest, but they're part of absolutely everything that God has done through this ministry. Maybe more so than us. Who knows? what people did praying through. In 2015, when I had the seizure and cracked my back in India, who knows that there, nobody's come forward yet, but there may have been somebody who at that moment was praying like crazy because they knew something was going on. Someday in heaven we'll learn all those things. And so God has a great plan for our lives. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says that God does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So think about what you can ask or imagine. He does immeasurably more than that. That's what God does. And whatever it is, from behind the scenes, he can use a shoe salesman to bring a conversion to a budding evangelist who eventually saw thousands of people came to know, come to know Christ. When we do what God wants, Carrie and I have a, a friend, he and his family were missionaries in uh, Central Asia. I won't tell you where they were, uh, but uh, they saw people come to Christ, but he was doing a Bible study with the guy one time, and the guy wasn't physically very well, and they had a, their bathroom was outside. You get the picture. And because he wasn't physically well, he really couldn't clean the bathroom very well when he'd used it. And so our friend had to leave and um, go to another meeting. And as he was walking out of that meeting, the Lord said, that bathroom's back there. So he went back, cleaned the bathroom, went off to his meeting, not thinking anything of it, except I did what God told me to do. The next week, there was a second man at Bible study and he said, those that teach us and our clerics would never clean a bathroom because it would make them unclean. I want you to teach me. Now that there were three, they began to sing. And a little girl came so she could sing. She'd leave when Bible study started, but sing. But eventually the second man and this girl and her family came to know Christ because somebody cleaned an outhouse. What is it that God wants to do through us? And maybe it's just, you know, happens to the brain when the hair turns gray. But more and more these days, I want to know, God, is there more? And it's going to stretch me beyond where I already am. But, but in, in all honesty, best case scenario, I've lived three quarters of my life. 
And that's probably a really good best case scenario uh, with that kind of thing. I don't want to go out having missed anything. I want to know what it is that God has for us, and that's what I want for you today, and that's why I prayed the way that I pray, because I'm not telling you anything maybe that I haven't said here, and I'm not telling you anything that's all that hard to grasp, but there's a difference between knowing it between the ears and knowing it in our spirit and allowing it to so grip our life that we will never be the same again. God has an incredible plan for every one of our lives. Hardly anybody ever may know who you are, but you may pray for somebody that changes the world and everybody knows. You may touch somebody, and, and by the way, the, the, every individual that we touch is so important to God. We can't go by, you know, the names that we've heard and who's on TV and who sells the most books and all that. That's great that God's using them in that way. But God wants to use us to accomplish his purposes. Now the question becomes, how is it that we begin to grasp what it is that God wants us to do? And I want to look at another portion of scripture and... uh, See, I, I just figured something out here, James. Uh, I went backwards because I pushed the button that was the brightest white, and I realized the reason it's the brightest white is that most people push the other one. <laughs> and uh, Jesus, his last night with his guys, his last night, he says this, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes, every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I remain in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm not even going to attempt to unpack it all, but I want to look at the last two verses. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we bear fruit, God is glorified. When we bear fruit, God is glorified. He said, if you remain in me, to remain in him means to stay connected to him, to do everything we can to stay connected. I think I've told you before when I was in India, when you get on on the local train, wow. I mean, there's so many people packed in there, and they don't announce the next stop, and if they did, I wouldn't understand what they were saying anyhow. 
and you have to know which side to get off and all that. So when I was on the train with somebody, I stayed near them. I made sure I was touching them, because I mean, there's like 120 people on a car that's supposed to hold 36. And then when you get out to the area where the doors are, that's packed too, and so you just have to work your way through and get out. It was a work to stay connected. And we need to work to stay connected. We need to do what he wants us to do, not do what he doesn't want us to do. We we want to live the way he wants us to live. And when we do that, the benefit that we get is that we stay connected to God. We we sang earlier, uh, there's no one like Jesus. Uh, He's the one, he's the greatest. Well, do you want to hang out with the greatest? Remain in him, stay connected with him, do everything you can. And the good news is if we mess up, hopefully not by rebellion, we can be forgiven by God and, and he cleanses us and begins to bring us back. So, so we wanna stay connected. And he said, if my word remains in you. Now it's interesting in the book of John, John uses two different words for word, logos and rhema. And from my perspective, we sometimes make a big deal of the difference. I don't think there's really much difference because you can find them used interchangeably. But logos, with the one word, we get our word logic from that. We can figure that out. And the other word, rhema, gives the idea of something that's breathed. The word of God is the logic of the kingdom breathed by God. It's the logic of the kingdom breathed by God. These are, these are words that he has spoken to us. And so we wanna make sure that we're getting what it is that God wants us to understand, what it is that he wants us to be doing. And, and there's two things, we, we can do a lot of things. There's two things I believe that are implied here. If we are going to remain in his word, and and. and, and to have his word remain in us means it sticks with us. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't do something right, and my dad said, boy, you can't do anything right. Those words stuck with me. Well, this is a positive way. They affected me for years. Well, don't we want God's word to affect us for years in a positive way as well? We want his word to stick with us. And that there's two implications here. One of them is is that we're completely committed to Jesus. And we want what he wants. Because if he's not important to us, his words won't have that kind of effect on us. You know, it might have bothered me if somebody else told me I couldn't do anything right, but this is my dad. When God says, when we're committed to him, When he truly is, we recognize there's no one like him. We're going to want his words to absorb us, to absorb into us. The word is to live in. If my my words live in you, remain in you, dwell in you, abide in you, uh, they take over. The second thing is, there's an indication that we are full of the Spirit. Because it's the Spirit of God who gives us understanding of what the word says. When I was in uh, seminary, we read this article by C.S. Lewis and the professor had a point to make. And he shared with us all these things that people had said that this little article meant. Lewis was still alive at the time. And Lewis said, 
this is what it means, y'all got it wrong. And there's a lot of things that we can say about what the Word says, but when the Holy Spirit breaks it down for us and said, this is what I mean, and sometimes it's a matter of Him not only giving us the meaning of the Word, but He breaks it down for us at that point. He, he breaks it down. I, I want you to, I don't know if you'll be able to see these very well, I'll read them, but I want you to see these two scriptures side by side. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's important that we see these two scriptures together because maybe it's not so much anymore and I hope it isn't. We got word people and we got spirit people. Well, I want you to know if you really want to get it on with God and do what he wants you to do, you need to be a word and spirit person. We, we need to be hungry for the word as spoken to us by the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we, uh, we need to... Uh, to see that the, both of those are important. Both of these are extremely important. And uh, so we want to get that. Well, when we let the Word of God work in our life, uh, there's a couple things that are happening. There's overall worldview. These friends of ours that were in Central Asia, we've been talking to them about some issues. Uh, they lived in America, they grew up in America, but they come from a different culture than... Uh, Many of us do. And so we've been talking about adult children. And we're seeing the difference in the, the cultures that are there. And the issue is, and I've said this in India a number of times, all of our cultures are important. And God's going to have people from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne because he deserves to be worshipped by every possible culture there is. But when our earthly culture does not agree with the biblical culture, our culture needs to decline and we need to have the biblical culture come up. And that will still manifest itself in a lot of different ways. It will manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but we're coming from a culture that's not a kingdom culture before we come to Christ. We need to relearn everything. What is it like to be a son of God? What is it like to be a Christian? How are we supposed to relate to God? How are we supposed to relate to one another? What is kingdom morality? Not only sexually, but every other way. We don't necessarily know a lot about that. Now, I'm old enough to remember that when there were some semblances of biblical morality in the culture, but that's out the window. In fact, I was just mentioning to Carrie earlier, uh, <clears throat> uh, James and Abby said they're sending out an, uh, an email letter to let people know what's going on with them when they were seminary. I don't even know if we had email when I was in seminary. If they did, there were like, you know, 28 people in the world who, who discovered the World Wide Net after Al Gore invented it. But, uh, but uh, uh, sorry, that was nasty. But... 
but, but I think he did say that one time. So, uh, but you know, we, you know the, the, the smartest phone we had was the one that was on your desk. So there was some semblance of that. There was some understanding, but we're living in a culture now that if anything is anti-Christian. So when we grow up in that culture and we grow up in this cancel culture, we grow up in this culture that is telling us that everything that's biblical gets canceled and everything else is okay. When we become a believer, we need to have our mind changed. We need to begin to understand that You've left America, and you've walked into India, and boy, if you've been to India, you know everything there is different. They don't even drive on the right side of the road. The clothes are different, everything. Everything is different, and if you're going to function in that culture, you need to begin to understand some things that need to happen. When we get into the kingdom of God, when we begin to get into the culture of the kingdom, if we're going to relate the way God wants, we need to understand how the kingdom functions. And the kingdom of God seems to be totally opposite of everything around us. But it's the only kingdom where you'll have peace and you'll have joy and you'll have eternal purpose. It's the only one where you're going to have a relationship with the living God who loves us. And so we may look like idiots, but we're the ones that have it all. But we have to learn that. We have to learn that. Second thing is, is that God begins to uh, speak to us directly. There may be something that God specifically wants us to learn or do, and he will tell us that as we are spending time with him. He may give us direction. I remember after I graduated from college, I had a choice to make, either move to State College, Pennsylvania with my college degree, work in a gas station that, by the way, didn't fix cars, because I'd never gotten hired in one of those, and, uh, or go to seminary, and I, seminary got in contact with me and said, look, you're accepted, but you need to let us know whether you're coming or not because there's people on a waiting list. And I went to the church that I attended and I spent some time with the Lord and I came across these verses in Psalm 20 and Psalm 21. Uh, In Psalm 20, there was a verse that said that God gives him the desires of his heart. And in 21, it said God has given him the desires of his heart. And my heart was to go work in that gas station and get campus training from the navigators, which is the exact opposite. If you look at my life and see where I wound up, that seems like a stupid decision. But I learned how to study the word. I learned to honor the word. And, and God gives specific direction to each one of us, and he, he wants to do that. He may give a scripture that will break a stronghold in your life. I was memorizing some scriptures in Romans chapter eight one time and I went away to this pastor's prayer meeting and uh, for a few days and I don't know why the Lord told me, to, well, I know why the Lord told me to memorize those scriptures, I didn't at the time. And uh, <clears throat> about the second or third day we were all sitting in a circle and they put a chair in the middle and they said if you would like prayer for something come out in the chair, it's kind of like the it was kind of like the mercy seat, but you know, mercy often comes after repentance. And uh, so I went out there, and I don't know why I shared, but I shared with that group of people what I told you earlier, that what my dad said. 
because I was having this anger problem and I was like a pipe with steam in it and every once in a while the valve had to be released to let it out and it come out in anger for the dumbest things. And so I wanted prayer for that, but I shared that story, which to me at the time made no sense. And a pastor from Harrisburg walked out, put his hand, I would say big paw, but he was smaller than me, put his paw on my forehead, and he said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the curse of those words, and, and um, something began to change in my life. I was looking at this verse, and in, in Romans 8, the next morning, where it says that we no longer live in fear again, but we call him Abba, Father. And that scripture means this. We don't need to be in fear that we're not going to live well, good enough for God to love us. We don't need to fear that because God loves us for who we are. And as I was typing this out, I wrote in my notes, I believe this particular thing is for somebody here. And so you can come to me afterwards or come to one of the people in the leadership team, but as we get into the word of God, God begins to do some things in our life. Now I wanna talk about how we get into the word of God a little bit. And uh, you know, first of all, I recommend you set aside time. If, if you, Give God time when you have time. You probably won't get around to it. Even though some of the things that we do may not really be that important. So I think it's good to set a time aside for that. Uh, for me, it's morning because beyond morning, my mind is going into things that need to be done and, and all of that kind of thing. For somebody else, it may be a different time. You may even have a particular place where you do that. And every once in a while, it's good to change that up a bit. I find that to be good, but I have my chair. I sit there all the time uh, when I'm reading the Word and having my devotions in the morning. But I would recommend that you set a, uh, a time aside. Ask the Lord to reveal roadblocks. Is there anything between you and God that would hinder him from being able to speak to you? Remember when Isaiah was shown the vision of the Lord? And all of a sudden, Isaiah began to realize some things that might be standing between, and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. There may be some things that he wants you to care for, and if it involves someone else that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness, determine at that time you're going to take care of it as soon as you can, and then do that. I believe that, that God will, will honor that. Recognize that you're coming into God's presence. You know, sometimes we just get, especially those of us that have been Christians for a long time, we can just, you know, well, we're, we're doing our devotions. It's what we do every day, it's part of the morning, it's part of our breakfast, or it's what we do before breakfast or after breakfast or whatever it is. But we wanna recognize that we are coming into the presence of the living God. And, and that can be helpful. It may mean that we'll need to get rid of distractions. Uh, you may not be distracted by these things, but there are so many sounds and bells and whistles that happen with these things, and especially if you've got a phone like my wife. She's got, she's got a different sound 
for, diff, for emails coming through emails and a different sound for WhatsApp and a different, I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's like a concert in the morning. She turns that phone on and ding, 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 all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are just all kind of things on there. And I was hearing stuff on her iPad the other day I'd never heard before. It was when somebody was liking something she said and it would give this special sound that uh, she didn't have to look at it. She knew they liked what she said. If, if you can live with that, that's okay. But maybe we need to remember that when we get in to see somebody at some business or, or whatever and the phone rings and they take the phone and we sit there, you know, what, what that's like. We want to get rid of as many distractions as we, as we possibly can because, I mean, we're going to sit down with the king. We're going to sit down with uh, somebody who really has something to say. Keep your mind and your spirit open. It, it takes discipline to do that. There are all kind of things, you know, you look around and you see things, and you, uh, especially like you ladies, you're in the house, you take care of the house, and you see things that need to be done, and I want to do this and want to do that, and, and we can become so easily distracted. But if Jesus were to physically come into your presence, wouldn't you, like, okay, this is it. I mean, he's here. I'm going to be the tension. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. In fact, in fact, and guys hear this, we might even be sitting there with a pencil and a paper. I know guys just love the journal. Some guys do. Some guys do, but others don't. And I'm not a big... Carrie writes everything, which is really, really good. We go on a trip and... We know what we did at the end of the trip because Carrie wrote it down at the end of each day. I write just a little bit of things down. But if he says something significant to us, don't we want to write down our thoughts? And if it's important, to memorize it so that we've got it all the time. And let me tell you, for those of you who are younger, now is the time to memorize I used to be able to memorize things pretty quickly. Like when I was in seminary, James, I would, I would go through all my notes and every note that I could read. And Carrie can, <laughs> Carrie can tell you that my notes were in tongues and I didn't always have the gift of interpretation. But the ones that I could read, when I would go into the test the next morning, I'd remember that stuff. I don't know if I would anymore. I've been seeking to memorize scriptures, but it doesn't come as fast as it used to. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it because this is something that God said to me to help me be more like Jesus and to help me to accomplish the purposes that he has for us. And remember, he does immeasurably more than we ask or think. I, I, I'm sharing this with you this morning and some things I can't communicate, but I wanna share it with you this way. I, more than I think ever, I want to know what he has for me. I want to know what he says. And, and beyond that, I, I actually want to see him do it in my life. It's not just something for a sermon. It's something for me that out of the depth of that, that I can. And so you might say, well, I, I got all that down, but just because I know what God has for me doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to live it out. 
That's why the next part of that verse from John is so important. Because he said, if my word remains in you, you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's a couple important principles that are here. First of all, if the word of God lives in us, if we understand the kingdom concept, if we understand what God's saying for us, what are we gonna ask for? We're going to ask for what God wants. That, that might get rid of a lot of our prayers. We say we don't have enough time to pray. Well, what are you praying for? And that doesn't mean that we don't pray for the things that come up in our life. We do, we're to have no anxiety about anything, but everything by prayer. We're to do that, but there are things that God wants us to ask for. And he says, when we ask for them, he will give them to us, and he will be glorified, and we will prove that we're his disciples. So the proof of being a disciple is we see what's happening. So here's my heart. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. You wanna have confidence in coming into God in prayer? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. There's a subtle implication here. If we're asking God for what he doesn't want us to have, he doesn't even hear. La, 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 come on now. You know what I want you to ask for. And we need to ask in faith. Jesus said that if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can say to this mountain, go into the sea and it will be gone. That's a tough one for me sometimes. My wife every once in a while throws out these things and I think, mm, you know what? We don't have the resources for that. Uh, I've probably lived three quarters of my life and that's out of my comfort zone. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We think we can only do what we have the resources to do. If God wants us to do it, we have the resources. We just don't see them yet. We just don't see them yet. We were, this is seminary time now, so I'm, I, when we were getting ready to go to seminary, we only had two kids, so it was a little easier on the financial side of it. And, uh, but Carrie's wondering, you know, this is crazy. We're leaving a salary. We're going to seminary. He already told them, but Carrie finds money in her house coat. And it's like, there's no way in the world I stuck 20 bucks in my house coat. Where'd that come from? And then they were walking along a little bit later and there's a bank envelope with a hundred and some dollars in it, 129, she remembers. So our older daughter said right away, well, we gotta find out who that is. So Carrie called the police and whatever the period of time was over, it never, came up and it was ours and Carrie thought, you know, if God can put money in the dirt, I guess he can take care of us and in the pocket. And he did. He loves 11.55. <laughs> but he accomplished it. So when we do what God wants us to do and we exercise faith in him and we ask him to do what he wants to do, he will do the immeasurably more than you ask or think. And if you're thinking it now, 
It might be bigger than it was five years ago. It's still immeasurably more. I want me to understand, I want us to understand that what God has for us is beyond our wildest imagination. And it will occur in the context of what he wants us to do. It may be a simple thing like cleaning a bathroom. And God will use that. Let's believe God to take us to a new level. Let's believe God to do through us more than we ever thought he could because he wants to. And it begins by being committed to him, by being filled with the Spirit and standing in attention when we spend time with him, wanting him to talk to us, and then by faith, obeying what he says. And he may ask us to do some pretty terrifying things. He just might. I probably in the natural would have been the kind of guy that would have moved four houses down from my parents. God had other plans. God has something for us. And so let's pray. This guy is a Christian school principal in Burkina Faso and he has a lot of Muslim students in his school and the previous year I think they told us there were about 100 Muslim kids in his school that came to know Christ. That's probably how it happened. And if we are going to see God do in our lives what he wants us to do, that's how it's gonna happen. We get our marching orders from the Lord and then we say, Lord, how am I gonna do that? And he says, pray, ask me, I can do it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as, as ones who are human, as ones who may at times be kind of freaked out by the things you ask us to do, at times would like to be comfortable with where we are, but we commit ourselves to you and say, Lord, here we are. When we're together with you, speak to us. Fill us with faith. Enable us to do all that you want us to do on this earth so that you would be glorified and we would prove that we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Am I, are you closing, Patty, or am I? <laughs> I should have asked. Okay, <clears throat> that was a powerful word. And um, John and Carrie, we thank you for imparting into our lives. So let us go in the authority and the power of his word and of his spirit and let that, his spirit and his word, transform and change us as we reach out to transform and change the world around us. And here Mike wants to share something, so... Since I'm the guy facilitating the 24-7 prayer room after worship, I think I would be remiss to mention that the timing with this word is really interesting. If you've never set aside an hour to just come and sit before the Lord, I urge you to do it. Leave your phone at home, 
bring your watch so you know what time it is. And if you don't know what to do, come and sit there in silence. There's no way he won't meet you and fill you with something. If you've never done it before, please try it. See you guys.